Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show, sponsored by Betfair. Before we get going, a reminder that this podcast is very strictly for over-18s only. Uh, We're talking about betting that comes with risks. Make sure that if you're thinking of placing a bet this weekend, you understand the risks that come with doing so. Head to BeGambleAware.org for more information. Never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase your losses. Please gamble responsibly. Last week on this show, it was one of them, George, one of them, where we both got two out of five right, but you were a bit down and I was a bit up because the naps play a big part in that. Your nap, QPR was no good. Your next best, Port Vale, was also no good. At my nap, well, they were stancing on the streets of Coventry, that's for sure, after their 3-2 win against Reading. Uh, I had an 11-4 winner as well. Cameron Archer added another string to his bow and made the posh defence quiver at 11-4. Very pleasing. Bullseye. In terms of the ones you did get, right? Overs in Reading against Coventry. And then I don't know if you saw, they've called for an extra national holiday to be added this week. I'm um, calling it the Yellow Jubilee in celebration of mm. George Ellick calling an Oxford match correctly. And, and we lost. So, <laughs> hooray. <laughs> Let's get into our picks this weekend. Uh, what's your nap? What's your best bet in the EFL? My best bet is Middlesbrough um, to beat Bristol City at knock me down with a feather at 11 to 10 yeah i mean i'm not going to spend a long time on this um i think that borough have kind of proven themselves under chris wilder to be um you know you said yourself on the monday pod that chris wilder is one of the best managers in the world Uh, i don't know if i can really top that but um certainly middlesbrough one of the best teams in the championship uh and have been consistently so um I think part of the reason we're getting a decent price here is because there are a couple of holes maybe in Middlesbrough's away form. Although, you know, the one nil defeat at Blackburn was fairly unfortunate. You know, we all watched that game uh, live on Sky and Borough were certainly good value, at least for a point in the game. Um, they also um, had an nil draw against Stoke that wasn't the best. You know, their home form is certainly the, the cornerstone of what they've done well so far this season. But I was at uh, the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium uh, last midweek to see them put in a very good performance against QPR. Um, that's the, the second... I've basically watched both 90 minutes of Middlesbrough's last two away games. They picked up one point and I've been wholly impressed with both of them. Um, and I guess you've got a, a chip to Old Trafford in the middle, which didn't go too badly either. Bristol City, on the other hand, have won three consecutive home games. Uh, again, which is why I think in, factored into the price maybe here. Um, the odds against seems generous for Borough. The three teams they've beaten, Millwall, Cardiff and Reading, they've won them 3-2, 3-2 and 2-1. As we've said recently, Bristol City playing this new system, this this three up front with Semenyo uh, in the middle of Vyman and, and Martin, they are certainly a better attacking side. Um, but I have faith that Borough are far better equipped to deal with that than, than the teams I mentioned there. Um, Borough have so many options now Aaron Connolly getting his first goal Watmore um, is looking fairly sharp at the moment I think because of the extra competition for places it was a massive shame to see, shame to see Martin Pajero sustain what looks like a pretty nasty injury last midweek just when he was coming back to fitness I think he'd have been a very good addition to this wilder side um, but I think Borough would just have too much for Bristol City uh, I would think you know, if I were to, to, be, uh, to, to price this up I'd have Borough odds on um, to win it they are a better side operating at a high level uh, and I think Bristol City's little spurt of home wins is, is probably what's getting us a, a fair price My nap's in League 2 it's Bristol Rovers to beat Stevenage 
on Saturday afternoon at 2-1 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. This comes mainly off the back of, of watching Bristol Rovers' game against Sutton in midweek on iFollow. Uh, an impressive and pretty comfortable win. It was, to be fair, a weakened, knackered Sutton side who were not at their best. But I was still very encouraged with the performance and I think more generally encouraged by what I'm seeing from the current system, the shape and the personnel. I saw a side that made sense, that looked pretty settled, much more confident, um, that looked like they were enjoying playing with each other. I think we saw good players, or we are seeing now good players on paper in positions that get the most out of them. So I saw some exciting attacking play, particularly from the three behind the striker in the 4-2-3-1 uh, that they've been playing recently. Nicholson, the winger on one side, is direct, skillful. He's got really nice balance. He gets shots off. Harry Anderson on the other side, a very physical winger who's kind of been there and done it at this level for a few years now. He just gallops up and down. And then the most interesting to me, the one I'm most intrigued by the first time I'd saw him properly, was Newcastle Loney Elliot Anderson, who joined in January, sort of playing in a, in a 10 role, the most advanced central midfielder anyway. And gas fans are loving him at the moment. It's not hard to see why. He's been involved in some brilliant moments already in, in his first few games in a Rovers kit, um, passing and movement really positive player looks to play forward combining well with teammates you see him you know fizz it into the feet of the striker and then bomb on and try and run in behind um and i get the sense that it's only a matter of time before elliot anderson is, is going to do something that makes more people sit up and take notice uh, because he's, he's done some great stuff i also get the sense and the y scout numbers back it up slightly that Rovers are pressing a bit more, they're pressing a bit better and that's I think because of the change of formation and these mobile attacking players that they have at the top of the pitch. As the number nine, they have finally settled on Aaron Collins. Now he's a player that I can't quite get a steer on because I really like him and I have liked him for a few years now. He's really active, he's quick, he runs all over the park, he's fast and he can carry it at speed as well. He's not incredibly strong but he's quite tall and he can kind of bang with defenders. Not an amazing target man but he's he is a presence of sorts if not like a massive um, aerial threat he gets a lot of shots off as well but in front of goal he's been pretty unreliable for a few seasons now he might go on on the odd streak but in general his finishing I think is quite poor in midweek for example he missed a very easy chance from a rebound on his weaker left foot then scored an unbelievable finish from out wide about 20 yards out having rounded the keeper Barton is finally giving Collins the sort of keys to the number nine role and I think he's improving for it and I wouldn't be surprised to see him be something of a menace here for Stevenage they got Finley and Coots in midfield you have to think those two are going to be a pretty reliable pivot um, and a pretty young back line with with Hull at right back Taylor and Connolly the centre backs all of them uh, 20 years old and under so Anderton really the old man there uh, they're up against Stevenage and I don't think Stevenage are anything special. They obviously improved enough under Paul Tisdale to um, burst away from the relegation zone, but I don't think that's saying a huge amount. Um, and they've they've dropped off a little recently. Second best in each of their last four league games. Two defeats and two draws in that time. And their good run from a few weeks back, you look back at it, were they doing anything special? Even Tisdale himself didn't think they were. Some really hot finishing from Luke Norris and Jake Taylor particularly made the difference, but that has, unsurprisingly, because uh, it was unsustainable, slowed down recently. Overall under Tisdale, 14 games, three wins, five defeats and six draws. Um, they failed to score in half of those games, seven of 14, and they've only kept three clean sheets in 14. So I'm still saying Stevenage, not a great side for the level. I'm excited about this one. Um, beating teams below them hasn't been much of a problem for Rovers. Beating bottom half teams, not a huge issue this season. Nine wins, three draws, four defeats, 30 points from 16 games against bottom half teams. It's against the top half teams they've struggled. 
Two wins, six draws and six defeats, 12 points from 14 games. Stevenage are a bottom half team. So I think Bristol Rovers, the stronger, better side, got much more about them going forward. And I'm going to take the two to one that they win back-to-back league games for the fourth time in the last few months. That's my nap in the EFL this weekend. Next best. My next best is MK Dons to beat Sunderland um, at five to two at the Stadium of Light. There's a kind of a couple of things that plays into this, and and, and I do think that Alex Neal, as I've mentioned, is a uh, a good appointment and someone who will improve things. But as ever, I, I'm going to have to see that improvement before I kind of change my mind on Sunderland. And Sunderland at the moment are, are not playing well. They are not a good side as it is, um, devoid of confidence and devoid of quality. The only goal they've scored in their last couple of games has been um, Pritchard free kicks, which, again, talking about sustainability, isn't really sustainable. And MK Dons come here off the back of a a disappointing 0-0 draw against Ipswich. But I've got a bit of a theory about MK, um, and that is that they are a team to basically side with away from home because their pitch at Stadium MK is horrific. Um, And of all the the clubs in in, in League One, MK are among the the kind of two or three who look, like to get the ball down and play more than any other. So it seems pretty frustrating for Liam Manning that he's having to coach a side a certain way when the pitch that they've got at home isn't conducive to it at all. Um, their away form this season has already been very good. If you're looking at the away table in League One, they've uh, played 16, one 8, drawn 5, lost 3. So no real negative for me in terms of them being on the road but if this game was being played at Stadium MK they would be a lot shorter when actually I think they've got a better chance of winning this one um, we've seen Doncaster go to the Stadium of Light recently and, and, and put in an incredible first half performance win the game 2-1 so Sunderland by no means bulletproof at home either um, it's a pretty awkward game this one for Neil and you know probably fairly ridiculously I don't think he's going to have much patience from the home fans if things don't start very well or things aren't going too well um, I think the fans will get on the team's back pretty quickly because they are sick and tired of, of what's going on at the club, especially after the revelations this week about the ownership structure. And, you know, for a year or so, they've thought that Carol Louis Dreyfus owned at least a 50% holding in Sunderland. That it's been revealed isn't the case with um, Stuart Donald, Juan Sartori and Charlie Methven uh, owning combined, I think, 59%, um, which is not what they wanted to hear. The atmosphere amongst the fans is at a very, very low ebb at the moment. Um, and MK, if they play there the way that they like to play, they could easily dominate uh, the board in this game, which will only um, get Sunderland fans further um, concerned about what's going on. So, yeah, I, I think MK are a big price at 5-2. to two. As I say, I think the, away, the fact they're away from home, both in terms of what they've done already this season and because um, their pitch is a bog, um, is going to be a help. So 5-2, to two, MK to win is my next best. My next best is Blackpool to beat Cardiff this weekend at 3.5, which is 5-2. to two. I'm backing them because I love Neil Critchley and I trust in Neil Critchley. I think that their performance level, Blackpool, is very consistent and pretty dependable, which is quite helpful in punting terms. It's not dominant, it's not spectacular, but it's, it's good, it's competitive, it's well-organised, it causes problems for the opposition too. We've seen that a lot. Since losing very disappointingly and somewhat surprisingly to Hartlepool in the FA Cup third round. Blackpool have beaten Millwall and Bristol City, teams in and around them. Uh, They've drawn away at Fulham. They've drawn away at Coventry, teams above them. uh, And they lost in stoppage time last weekend to Bournemouth and got huge credit in their performance. Could have easily left that game without 
defeat or even with a win, uh, having hit the post at, uh, at 1-0 and basically put together another excellent game plan. Um, another big thing for this is they have a player that I consider to be one of the most dangerous players in the league right now, and that is Josh Bowler, who has been in, in sensational form, who is clearly um, paying back Neil Critchley for the faith that he showed in him in bringing him in. This is someone with a high reputation at youth level. Everyone in the game knew about him, but no one's really got the best out of him until now. Um, and now we're seeing Critchley, as he has done with countless other players over the last 18 months, two years, um, developing players, putting an arm around their shoulder, giving them a kick up the backside, whatever they need, and putting them in the right situation on the pitch to thrive as well. Bowler looks insanely talented, incredibly dangerous, and is turning potential into performances in a way that's really exciting. If he plays like he has done recently, he should be the best player on the pitch uh, in this game, and I think that he can cause Cardiff some serious problems. Now, Cardiff have won four of their last five, including their last three at home, so clearly their form is very strong. I'm not going with the form book necessarily on paper here. No doubt that some of their January additions have helped, uh, particularly Doyle and Drama, the, the Premier League loanees. Ryan Wintle coming back from Blackpool adds a nice wrinkle to this game. Uh, Hugh Girl and Nick Piazza have, have obviously made a difference at the top end of the pitch as well. I don't think there's much in it between these two teams. Clearly Cardiff have the home advantage, but I pretty strongly feel that Blackpool are a better football team and I think we can be more confident of a level of performance than them than a Cardiff side that have played well recently. But I just feel much less confident in predicting how they'll play week to week under Steve Morrison at the moment. Um, I think Blackpool, clearly, they've had a lot of away games at the moment and they've done fairly well in them. Uh, and crucially, this comes back to Critchley and how much I love him. They've had a week to prepare this, whereas Cardiff played Coventry on Tuesday and won 2-0. I think I can trust in Critchley to create the perfect game plan here and I'm going to back them to nick an away win uh, at 5-2 to 3.5 that was my next best don't forget that Betfair have no cash out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games that's applicable to singles and multiples no cash out suspensions whatsoever during the games if you bet on match odds for any EFL game either singles or multiples uh, let's switch to the Betfair exchange George who are you laying this weekend? I'm laying Coventry who are at home to Barnsley um, at 1.64 um, I mean, Barnsley's recent better performances have come at home, and that is kind of the one thing that's putting me off here a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't be doing this with any other team, but I'm pretty concerned about Coventry at the moment. Uh, after going through a period where we felt like they were playing pretty well, but not quite getting the rub of the green, they were not very good away at Reading, as you mentioned earlier, in winning 3-2. And then they were poor in midweek, uh, losing 2-0 away at a Cardiff side who, again, I'm, I'm not overly keen on. Um, I don't know what... I can't really put my finger on it. I, I guess every every club is due a, a run of games at some point where they they go through a bit of a dip and Coventry might be going through that now because even though they haven't been picking up points fairly, pretty regularly, I've, I've, I've liked the way they've played. Um, they look fairly tired, I would say. Uh, it's a fairly young squad. Um, they don't have a, a an informed goal scorer. You know, I know Giok, um can do it, but since Matty Godden's been out, there's been a reliance on him and, you know, he's not scoring at the rate he has at previous times this season. And Barns Barnsley come here off the back of their first win since November. Um, there will be something of a, a spring in their step. Um, certainly Keener and Bassey offer a, a bit of quality going forward that they didn't have before. Um, it's just whether they can translate that the, the kind of decent home performances onto the road because last time we saw them away from home they they were very poor which caused me to um, <laughs> to nap against them um, last week but 
Uh, yeah, I think they could make it awkward. I think it's a bad time to play Barnsley. And for Barnsley, it's a decent time to play Coventry, who have to find a way to to get back into form. Um, the only thing I would say is obviously Coventry's, those two performances I mentioned were both on the road and they're back at home now where they've been um, pretty good for the majority of the season, although they did lose three in a row um, fairly recently over the turn of the year. So by no means um, bulletproof there. But yeah, I, I think they're short at 1.64 um, against the yeah, Barnsley side who could be improving. Certainly seen some reports from recent Cov games of them looking very tired, very leggy, and them having played in midweek. Barnsley having not played in midweek would surely help with that. Uh, I'm going to start my lay answer with a question, George. It's a quiz, I guess. And okay. the, uh, the general idea behind it is, if this is the definition, what is the idiom? So here's the definition. Said of a disappointing or mundane event occurring straight after an exciting, magnificent, or triumphal event. Back to earth with a bump. Nice. Don't hate it. Not the correct answer. Right. Correct answer is after the Lord Mayor's show. Yes, I got you. Yes. What a lot of people don't know is that the full idiom is after the Lord Mayor's show comes a disappointing performance at home to Barrow. Yeah. That's why I've laid Exeter this weekend at 1.8 with the Betfair Exchange. Um, the Lord Mayor's show, of course, was Tuesday night, Exeter 4, Harrogate 3. To all intents and purposes, a miserable Exeter City performance in front of an expectant home crowd for an hour or so. And then a, an exciting, magnificent, triumphal event as they came roaring back and scored three goals in the last, what, 20 minutes. Grounds, Dieng, Sparks in injury time uh, to nick all three points against this Harrogate side who are pretty flimsy, I think we're, we're, we're still finding out at the moment. It means they've won four in a row. It means they've won six of their last seven. Uh, Exeter City in very, very good form as well. I watched that game, it was complete carnage. And I think those sorts of games and all the excitement that's followed it, um, the players giving it massive guns after full time, uh, the fans giving it huge, Matt Taylor delighted, but also a little concerned about some of the uh, aspects of the performance. Um, so much buzz in the in the day or two following on social media about it. All good stuff. I'm certainly not the celebration police. I'm not here to say you are not allowed to celebrate cool things happening because if anything I think we should all do more of that um, but I do think from a performance perspective this weekend my stance I guess is there could be something of a, of a hangover from the Lord Mayor's show at home to Barrow. Uh, Nombe up top played the full 90 Matt Taylor said afterwards he absolutely wasn't meant to that was not part of his sort of uh, plan for returning to, to fitness after coming back from a, a midterm injury so I wouldn't be surprised if Nombe isn't starting here which is obviously a blow Kieran Phillips who's come in on loan and, and scored the week before he pulled out of the squad before the game uh, no news on on what the injury was Harry Kite is out as well got a few a few injuries um, and Taylor described a few lifeless bodies out there in the first half so those are the things fresh in my mind really when I was going through um, the many short price home teams in in the EFL this week I landed on Exeter Barrow kind of decent recent results um, obviously uh, overall underwhelming performance this season um, but you have to say, certainly in beating Northampton, drawing with Tranmere, you'd be pretty pleased with that uh, at the start of Feb. Then they lost away at Hartlepool and a strange nil-all draw with Stevenage in that game that started almost two hours late last week. And Marty Holloway suspended for Barrow means I'm not 100% sure where their goals will come from uh, and they definitely need to defend set pieces better. But 
I just think the way this one could play out if Exeter are feeling a bit leggy are Barrow getting the bit between their feet and... The bit between their feet? Yes, getting the bit between nice. their feet and kicking the bit away from their goal. I can't speak today. Crazy. Um, and also, actually quite a good defensive team in, at their core, Barrow. The sixth best uh, XG against record from open play per Opta analysts. Uh, goals conceded per game around 10th or 11th in the league, so not too bad really. Um, individual mistakes from the defenders and their goalkeeper have kind of let them down. But at their core, not a bad defensive team. They are fairly well organised and I think they can hold hold out if Exeter aren't at it. Um, as you can tell, my thinking here, and it might end up looking pretty stupid because Exeter are in good form at the moment, I think that there's a potential they could be a bit tired, that the crowd will be expecting an easy win and everyone might get a little bit complacent and maybe... But you know, maybe uh, maybe that won't happen. Maybe they'll be buoyed by that late turnaround, and they'll absolutely thump Barrow. I'm going the other way. I've laid extra 1.8 with the Betfair exchange goals and goal scorers. Yeah, I think we should probably um, anyone who is thinking about having a big overs and BTTS multi um, should have a look at the weather forecast. Uh, we have high winds. Um, I w- I'm gonna reckon that a lot of games are going to get postponed um over the weekend um tomorrow looks worse than saturday but we will see um and generally when the weather is that poor um goals tend to um yeah they they don't tend to be as many goals um so unsurprisingly you and i are both looking at you know shorting goals and we both i think chosen the same game um i'm going to be a bit more conservative than you um i'm going for both teams not to score in Tranmere against Port Vale. Two sides whose success so far this season has been built mainly on decent attacking, sorry, decent defensive shape and records. Um, Tranmere definitely a side where their games, even the games where they've won kind of three or four nil uh, are not games full of chances. Um, they struggled recently to, to create against much poorer teams than Port Vale. I think Port Vale will do a pretty good job in terms of suffocating them, but no team really goes to to Tranmere and creates loads unless your name is, is Forest Green. Uh, I think it'll be a game of few chances. I think there's a fair bit on the line for both clubs um, and for both not. Um, once they go ahead, um, it's all about managing the game and seeing the game out rather than flying forward to try and get more, which plays into the BTTS no mindset. So BTTS no 20 to 23 is the way I'm playing it, but you are shooting for the stars, not BTTS no, but B T N T S. Both teams not to score. Yes. Also known as nil nil or under 0.5 goals uh, on the Betfair Sportsbook. As we record, the nil nil in Tramia Port Vale is 13 to 2, 7.5. And the under 0.5 goals, which you have a, to dig a little bit deeper for, is 7 to 1. So I'm taking that. The under 0.5 goals, 7 to 1 in Tramia against Port Vale. I wasn't looking for, for something lively like this. I don't really know how it's come about. I, I was looking like you were because of Storm Derrick or whatever it's called. Um, I was looking at League 2 in particular because last weekend, 7 out of 12 games were draws. Eight out of 12 went unders. And then in midweek, two of the three League Two games went unders as well. I know all that can be very noisy and not necessarily predictive. But I think 
that plus weather plus some fatigue from midweek action whatever i was looking for unders and they're all priced up pretty short as you can imagine and tranmere port vale i just kept coming back to even though it seems like the obvious choice and i don't always like to go for the obvious choice everything points to a low margin game um in the last five games tranmere have only faced seven shots on target and port vale have only faced eight so both of them defending excellently but both of them certainly looking pretty blunt going forward i feel pretty strongly particularly with the wind that there won't be much attacking action so initially i looked at under 2.5 that was 1.6 not juicy enough for me to get on i looked at under 1.5 15 to 8 the 2.88 a bit more tempting and then i just thought let's do it under 0.5 goals 7 to 1 Tranmere against port vale weather forecast is terrible heavy rain in the morning lots of wind probably cooled off to be honest but if not a soggy nil-nil, and we'd both be happy. Uh, Tramio Vale under 0.5 goals with the Betfair Sportsbook at 7-1. to one. Remember, with Betfair, you can bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, and you'll receive a £5 free bet to use. Also, on multiples or bet builders, T's and C's, apply for that. Finish us off, George, with a goal scorer. Wickham against Cheltenham. Ooh. I fancy I fancy Cheltenham for this. They're 31-10. to 10. Me too. Um, And I... I'm gonna back Kiana Tete to score any time in it. I knew it. Um, <laughs> are you doing that? Are you doing the same? No, but uh, I I thought about laying Wickham, and then when I was going through goal scorers, I looked at this game and I thought Tete looked like the most juicy price. So there you go. Yeah, we're on the He's same. He's 100 wavelength. to 30 to score any time. Um, Wickham's recent form is pretty poor. I'd say they're kind of sneaky poor. Um, I don't think anyone's quite realised that they are not picking up very many points at the moment. They've won. Just one of their last five games at home in that time. They've conceded three against Sunderland, two against AFC Wimbledon. They lost 1-0 to MK Dons. And Cheltenham, you know, it's a weird one because even though they've just won back-to-back games, having not won in, I think it was 14, I feel like they've been playing pretty well now for the last couple of weeks. Um, Atete's addition in January was one that has given them a new dimension up front. I, I really liked him at, at Northampton. Uh, in his first loan spell in the first half of the season, he's yet to score for for Cheltenham, but I think it's basically just a matter of time. And if uh, if if Mike Duffside are as uh, competitive as I think they are, that 130 about a guy who um, will score goals could be very juicy indeed. So yeah, that's my goal scorer bet. For my goal scorer, it's only Billy Jean, mate. Oh wow! It's only Billy Jean Bedace, Philly Jean Bedace, four to one. Stoke against Birmingham this weekend. The 4-1, to one, it won't escape you, George. It's the same price he was when you plucked him up a couple of weeks ago against Huddersfield. Uh, hit the post in that one. We certainly didn't leave thinking 4-1 to one was anything other than absolute value for this live wire of a low knee. Since then, three shots against Forest, all on target. Four shots against Swansea, including one of the goals. And hit the beans as we mentioned against Huddersfield. So I'm pretty up for this. I've been, I've been workshopping a song with... Philogene Bedace and I Can't Feel My Face by the weekend. But I, I didn't get around to, to working out a second line and I, I didn't get around to downloading the backing track. So no no luck this weekend. Look, they're up against a blue side who did get a nice clean sheet in their last game against Luton. But it is worth remembering that, that Birmingham City have a hex on Luton Town and they don't appear to have a hex on any other team because they conceded 28 in their 11 games before that. So I'm thinking that's probably more blues than the, than the clean sheet in their last game. And Philogene it looks an absolute live wire, as I say. Um, the Stoke fans are loving him. Lots of nice pieces written in the local press about how much they love him, how much they want to keep him next season. But um, yeah, Philogene Bedace, when I'm with you, but I love it.
but I love it. It's so annoying that he's not nine to two. Wow, that would work well, wouldn't it? I know. We should almost like speak to the guys and ask if they can change the price. Even even shorten seven to two, just so you can sing it. Well, that's my bet. Philogene uh, Bedes, four to one, Stoke against Birmingham. George, please can you recap your bets, and then we can head off into the sunset of the weekend. Well, not the sunset, the the gale. The gale, yeah. Uh, Borough and my nap. MK Don's my next best. Uh, Coventry, the lay. BTTS, no. Chami against Port Vale, my goals bet. And then Keon Etate at 130 to score any time is my goal scorer. My nap, Bristol Rovers at 2-1 to one away against Stevenage up the gas. Uh, Blackpool, 5-2 to two to beat Cardiff this weekend in the championship. My lay is Exeter City at 1.8, home to Barrow. My goals pick is under 0.5 goals at 7-1 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook in Tranmere against Port Vale. And my goal scorer, Philogene Bedace, 4-1, to one, Stoke against Birmingham. That is um, certainly the the liveliest, or the longest priced picks of, of the season for me, I think. 2-1 to one nap, 5-2 to two next best, 7-1 to one goals pick and 4-1 to one goal scorer. It could be some week, it could be tempestuous, could be an absolute disaster. Let's hope not. Huge thanks to our sponsors, Betfair, for their continued support of this podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting to you about a probably not full slate uh, of EFL action uh, on the Monday pod, George. I'll be on Quest on Saturday night. Me and Jamie Mackey, he'll be making his debut. Excited to meet and spend the day with Jamie Mackey, a player that I admired very much, as you well know, and a very good broadcaster as well. So please do watch EFL on Quest on Saturday night. Make sure you listen to the pod on Monday. We'll talk then. Go out.